Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What say you, Richard Ellick Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them. Okay? And the whole point is to have this not fall into the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. picture that he saw of Paul and Maggie, what did he say? It's just so bad. I did him so bad. I did him so bad. Yes, sir. Well, that was the the defendant, Alec Murdoch, uh, talking to some detectives in the car on his second statement. We're on day six, week two of our trial. We are live coming to you tonight for our podcast, Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch's Murder, Money, and Mystery, our daily recap mm -hmm. with our exclusive legal analyst and former South Carolina Attorney General Charlie Condon, executive producer Drew Tripp off camera, and uh, Maxwell Harrison, he's um, keeping us all straight this evening. So I've, we're just going to have to jump into this. This mm -hmm. was this explosive... Uh, comment that was made that is blowing up Twitter. It's got everybody talking about it. It's certainly a water cooler moment. What exactly happened there? Well, I'll jump in. Hi, for those who can't see me, this is Drew, the executive producer talking. Um, I, it, it was really a, a point of contention, especially with the, all of us sitting in the media room watching along on this trial. They play a video. Uh, the defense has been playing a video of the second interview Alec Murdoch did with SLED, right? This is June 10th, I believe, days after the murder. This is the second time SLED is interviewing him. And in this, they ask about, you know, what what Alec saw that night when he came to, came to the kennels, the dog kennels where the uh, murders had happened. And one of the agents is just saying, you know, I know it had to be tough to see that. And Alec breaks down, starts crying, and he says... It's so bad. I did him so bad. Or did you hear what I heard? And which is that Alex said they did him so bad. Now, in court, they had Jeff Croft, the sled agent, testify to what Alex said. They, this Creighton Waters, the prosecutor, stops the video that they're playing, ask Croft to say what Alex said. The sled agent testifies Alex said, I did him so bad. That's not what a lot of people heard. A lot of people, there's a lot of contention around this. Did Alex say they or did he say I? On the record, 
in court under oath that sled agents testified that Alex said I, not they. Yes. So and Charlie, what how's this gonna affect there's, what's there's, happening? There's a lot happening here. We're gonna hear from the defense tomorrow, I'm sure, on this, but as you recall, defense attorney Griffin objected to the sled agent saying or testifying to what was in the audio tape or the videotape on all counts. I think they did it three or four times. And Judge Newman, the, the argument by the state was that, well, the sled agent was there. He's party to the conversation. He can testify to what was said. And so Judge Newman did overrule the objection and allowed it in. I'm certain the state the defense tomorrow is going to renew this objection and say this is exactly the problem that we were worried about, that you have someone interpreting what is on the tape. And I must say, if you listen to it, and I've listened to it a number of times, you could you could hear both words in there, couldn't you? And mm -hmm. I would I do think wisely the state didn't use a lot didn't use this as an opening statement. They're not relying upon this as a confession. I think that's wise because there's a motion there and we'll just have to see where this goes tomorrow. So stay tuned for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there was a, a different feel in the courtroom today. It was the largest crowd I've seen since mm -hmm. we've been there. And I also noticed it was a smaller uh, group there for Alec, but they were tight and they were emotional. Yes. And there was a lot going on on the mm -hmm. Murdoch side. I saw just to set the, the scene a little bit, John Marvin Murdoch, his brother was there. He actually had a very protective arm around Buster. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? Father figure to Buster. Es especially as they were talking about some mm -hmm. of uh, the, the this second statement that that Alec Murdoch gave. And also Buster was leaning in pretty hard, mm -hmm. listening. I saw Brooklyn, his girlfriend, crying. I saw Lynn getting upset at times. So there was a lot of emotion there. Um, as far as where this takes us tomorrow, anything you want to add about that statement as, as far as whether or not it was I or they? Do you see it really uh, being resolved, I guess, before we get it, before the jury has to make a decision about this? I, I you know, I made a point today on Twitter following along with this case that you cannot, you can't be putting a ton of stock into a single person's testimony, a single effort by a prosecutor or a defense attorney on any given day. At this point in the trial, that's, that's an that's excellent a, point. That's a fool's folly. That's an excellent point. It's a folly to try and very good point. Say there's so much it, information flooding in right yeah, now. Yeah, we've already been tripped up by it a couple of times. But for sure, this feels like a huge. Uh, point of contention uh, if the state tries to make more of this than they did uh and it and it also feels like if this if the prosecution goes after it tomorrow they could really make the state seem i, I don't know i don't want to say if the defense goes after if them? the defense yeah. goes if the defense goes after this point tomorrow I, they could really i think make the state seem uh, I, is untrustworthy the right word uh, or uh, un, unprepared if they don't know if it sounds like if you put 10 people in a room and five here I and five here they, what is the jury going to be like? And how does that play out two week, or a week and a half from now when this trial gets to the conclusion? Uh, again, that being the point, I don't know that one day or one specific thing, it's the mountain that you build. It's the, the, the house that you build over time mm -hmm. is, is the case. The rope, Agreed. The rope is, uh, Charlie says, you got to have every thread has got to be I think nuts. where we're going is, is uh, yeah, I think the analogy that works well is a rope, that you have these strands, and one strand is not going to be strong enough to overcome reasonable doubt, but you get two, three, four. I right. think we had, 
I don't know. There were some pretty strong strands coming in on behalf of the state. Oh, yes. The defense made some points, though. Well, let's talk about the cell phone evidence, because that was the next one that really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it on our 6 o'clock uh, story as well. Max, can you, can you play that for us? And does it show an incoming call from Paul Murdoch to Rogan Gibson? Yes, sir, it does. And what time is that call? 8.44 p.m. So that's Paul Murdoch. They're saying Paul Murdoch had actually called his buddy Rogan Gibson about a dog that was in the kennels and there was a problem. I think there's going to be a whole nother layer of this as well. We're expecting to hear about Snapchat video coming up very soon about the same dog. We are going to have to see, like we said, we can't guess. Mm -hmm. We're we're not here to guess what they're going to do next, particularly or speculate. But right now, here's what we know. We know that Paul made a call to Rogan at 8.44 p.m. At 8.49 p.m., Rogan sends a text back. And that text goes basically unanswered by um, a young man who is known to right. send texts and Snapchats and constantly on his phone all the time. Even his dad in all of these statements has been talking about how Paul's always on his phone. Um, there were five more calls from Rogan to Paul after that, missed calls uh, that went all the way into 10.08. Rogan tried to reach out to Maggie. Mm-hmm. So we hear basically between 8.44 and 8.49 there is nothing answered after 849, which means trouble could be afoot. I think that's what they're they're saying on the state side. Um, we also know that uh, so far what we've heard in the opening statements was that Alec Murdoch was still on that property, mm-hmm. that he was um, at 906 was when he left mm-hmm. in the truck. Mm-hmm. So that's very concerning. Why didn't he hear something or smell something? We're talking about major ammunition going off, a lot of bullets flying. Um, I'm having a hard time painting a picture where you wouldn't walk outside and see a billow of smoke, ammo, gunfire, anything. I mean, is that reasonable? Yeah, let's talk about the weapon, too. They did put into evidence, and there are a number of firearms that are now will be in the jury room when they deliberate. And that, that weapon, that semi-automatic weapon, to my way of thinking, it looked really mean and nasty. It, Ooh, it had a look, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely, that rifle. Yeah, and so for that to be going off while he says, in effect, he's napping on the couch, and we think, we believe the state will be able to show that some sort of social media interaction from Paul would show that Alec was back there at the kennel, and he was very cool, calm, and collected in, on the, or at on the least interview. like hearing him. I think mm-hmm. that's what we've heard is that we might not actually, we haven't seen the Snapchat oh, heard video okay. yet, so, but I'm hearing that because he was just kind of showing the ah, dog. So he didn't know he, was being, he didn't know that was going off. I see. But so, we don't, once again, like we're, we're speculating. Okay, we're speculating. Yeah, yeah. yeah a but the point bit, being, yeah. they wanted to make sure that, 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 that the jurors understand that he's committed himself to being at the house and not at the kennels, which would be what, a thousand feet away, something like that? I think it's, I've heard several hundred yards, maybe close to, uh, a couple tenths of a mile. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not remembering that right off my mm-hmm. hand. But, yeah, the point there, mm-hmm. the, the defense made a big point of this today. And to your point, Charlie, about earlier, the the def, I'm sorry, the defense and the state made a point today about this. But Creighton Water for the state kept stopping and having the sled agent, uh, Croft, repeat what was said on video and just to make points. And one of the things that he had Croft stop and repeat mm-hmm. was the fact that Alex said, the last time he saw Maggie and Paul alive was when they were at dinner. And we know for a fact from pretrial motions, there is a video taken approximately 8.44 p.m. 
that shows, uh, according to pretrial mm-hmm. motions, Alec in the background at the kennels during that time. Alec said he never went down to the kennels that night. And, and these are in his statements to SLED right now. So, yeah, defense is a huge problem mm-hmm. right here. That's a very incriminating. This is a big hurdle mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and then we let's listen to a little bit more about the gun evidence. Um, and we'll get into a little bit about what um, Alec was talking about in this video as well. Let's go ahead and play that clip. You know the specific brand and make and caliber of ammunition that was used to kill Maggie Murdoch. The head stamps on the shell casings at the crime scene was SMB 300 blackout. Same thing? Yes, sir. So there was a lot of talk today about Boy, shell casings. Were they? Right? Yeah, yeah, let me walk through that if I may, because I think that is another really strong strand of evidence, uh, potentially. I, I think it's sitting right there. Hear me out on this because it's a bit complicated, but they made a big point today of showing shell casings that is the weapon had been fired and there were some older shell casings like stamped into the ground had dirt in them that obviously had been there by the residents as it left there was a like a brick patio that left the gun room area of the uh, of the main residence then they went to this shooting house as they called it and it was way far away used to sight rifles and other things and there were shiny casings of Mm. this of this uh, Black Rock uh, 300. Black, blackout. Blackout, excuse blackout. me. Blackout 300. So I'm thinking where they're going with this. And we know in pretrial motions that they, te- that they had an expert say that those shell casings at both of these areas match the casings found by Maggie Murdoch's body. Mm-hmm. And so we've got three... Semi-automatic rifles. Drew, you don't want to pick up on this because this gets a bit confusing, but there are three, there are three separate rifles floating around in this case, yes. semi-automatic. So uh, the, we'll back up first to the pretrial motions. What the state is going to allege and what the defense in pretrial motions tried to get thrown out and were unsuccessful in doing so was testimony by a forensic expert saying the tool marks, the the machine marks, mm-hmm. that basically the the impressions and scrapes and s- scratches and scuffs on the metal caused by the, the unique signature to each gun. They're going to argue that the tool markings on the shell casings collected from the crime scene for this th- these 300 blackout ammunition cells collected from the crime scene, they're going to argue they the those... The markings on those shell casings match old shell casings collected from the property, meaning they would have been fired from the same, same gun, gun. Yeah. and that, that gun was on the Murdoch's property at some point. Right, right. And to my to my finer point, I think what they're going to argue further is that the older casings were there for a long time that match, and the newer ones match. And the defense is going to say, well, there might have been several rifles out there, but one's missing or one's stolen, and the alleged shooter... Uh, had this this rifle, and but the problem they've got with that is you start thinking about this, and I think this is why the state is really emphasizing this, is if that is in fact correct, what a happenstance. Mm-hmm. The, the rifle that you say has been missing for a long period of time, or how long has it been missing? It couldn't be missing that long because the shell casings in the shooting uh, house were clean. They were shiny, mm-hmm. thinking... I would think something like that would tarnish in a matter of months, if, if not weeks. Mm-hmm. And the ones by the house, 
are old and under the stamped into the ground, been there maybe for years. And so they've got a real problem with that one because yeah. the happenstance of someone coming across this rifle and the more logical exp- explanation, I would believe, is that he used it and threw it in the swamp somewhere, and mm. that's yeah. why it's missing. And, that's, and so to expound on that, we, what Charlie's point is, we heard testimony today. We finally we got, we heard on this video of this second interview with Alec. Mm-hmm. Charlie goes, or, or I'm sorry, not Charlie. Uh, Alec, I didn't do uh, it. I apologize. I'm an Charlie. alibi. <laughs> uh, Alec, Alec starts explaining the background on two 300 blackout rifles that he purchased one for Paul, mm-hmm. one for his older son, Buster, That's several, right. several years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I still didn't catch the exact year when they bought him. Mm-hmm. But I know this, that we do have a firm timeline for when Paul, Paul's 300 blackout rifle was reportedly stolen. Mm-hmm. That was in 2017 because that's when they replaced it. Alex says he never reported this rifle stolen because this was a whole thing they went into today. Paul yeah. has a t- Paul was uh, irresponsible. Irresponsible. He right. and Alex mm-hmm. had a quote about Alex in the video had a quote about Paul would leave clothes, guns, even his dad's boats. He would leave them strung out all right. over the state. He was and that was when Sled was asking him like what are, what was your number one issue or problem with Paul as a father. And Alex said his due to his ADHD, he was very irresponsible. He didn't take care of things. He left things everywhere. He left guns down at the kennel. Well, let me, this is exactly what he said. I'll read the quote to you. He said he would leave anything anywhere and it would not be unusual for guns to be one out there. They told me, they told me, this is Alex speaking in his statement, Mm -hmm. uh, a 300 blackout was used in this. I can tell you that 300 blackout, it was not out there. He didn't have it out there on Monday. No. So backing up to that point, 2017, Alex says Paul's 300 blackout is stolen. And he made the differentiation. There was a black 300 blackout, a black in color Mm -hmm. rifle. Uh And there was a tan in color 300 blackout rifle, which was Paul's. Paul's goes missing. Alex says on camera or, or on in this interview, we purchased one to replace it. And he was confident. We replaced that rifle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We replaced that rifle after mm-hmm. Paul's was stolen. And that would have been in 2017. And then he takes a long pause. I wish we had this. I wish we could have this pulled up. But Alex takes a long pause after saying that. And then he goes, well, you know what? Actually, I think uh, that second one that we bought, that third one, excuse me, that third one we bought to replace it, it's missing too. And the murder weapon is missing. Right. Right. The the original rifle that Paul had is missing. Mm-hmm. There's three 300 blackout rifles encircling back, and you come in full circle on Charlie's point. There's three rifles. Only one of them remains. And Alec talked about how... <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I should mention, by the way, because I think the most recent developments this afternoon really stepped on the defense's arguments this mm-hmm. morning. We should really point out that they were able to prove through the state's witness that the physical evidence is it's consistent with one shooter, but it's also mm-hmm. consistent with two shooters. You got I think we've got, they, they scored a point on that. And also the crime Absolutely. scene was contaminated a bit. We, that we got lost in all of this mm-hmm. new information mm-hmm. coming in. And you're, that's absolutely right, Charlie. Mm-hmm. They, they said they looked at the angles of the guns. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the state did come back with a, with a plausible um, answer for it. Oh, but yeah. at the top, when when Dick Harputlian went after um, Agent Worley on where the guns were measured, it was really interesting to hear the angles and how far away there were a couple of angles for mm-hmm. these guns, which would have mm-hmm. and she could said she basically said right that yeah they, and she they also pointed out yeah, out, and, yeah rule out right, the and the, second right. shooter which mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was that was important. And remember the back Definitely back and forth on that too. And when the defense, the state then argued, well, it was stippling, it was a close shot, and you have uh, what they allege would be human blood and debris on the nearby uh, off-road vehicle ATV. But then, remarkably, the defense was able to point out and and prove that wait a minute, you didn't take samples of that. How right. do you know that can't be deer blood? So there. Again, I think it's going to be stepped on with the reporting in general, but they made some points this morning that were valid. Well, the other one that stuck out to me was they were talking about an impression on the back of Maggie's mm-hmm, path that was mm-hmm. never documented once mm-hmm. again. And yeah, the photographing scene. was off. And that was disturbing a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. it could have been dirt. Mm-hmm. It could have been an impression. Mm-hmm. We don't know because mm-hmm. it wasn't documented. Right, right. It, you know, yeah. and that's that's a problem because yeah. it, was it somebody that actually stood on her calf? When they shot her, mm-hmm. is that what they're trying to say? Yeah, and that to echo both of your points, the defense really took this sled agent Melinda Worley and sled to task for how they handled that crime scene. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Melinda Worley was sworn in on Friday as an expert witness on tire markings mm-hmm. and shoe print markings, and this expert on tire and shoe print markings, while she was at this crime scene, did not see to it that SLED's protocol for how to properly and accurately document footmarks and tire marks for comparison, she didn't see to it that all that, that, that was taken care of. And the, like some of these photos of shoe prints in the, in the feed room where the bloody shoe prints, which were, have been deemed to be Paul's, the, with the muddy imprint on the back of, or the muddy mark on the back of Maggie's leg or some of these shoe prints, the state or the prosecution was able to prove that Sled's own protocol wasn't followed while mm-hmm. they were out there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that was really tough on the tough on them this morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, we have to get to one more thing that was just you know we all went what uh, at yeah. one point the Gucci the Gucci receipt um, there was a credit card statement from what I understand that had a, a Gucci amount of money over a thousand dollars that was spent at Gucci it was circled. And then they um, found it tossed in the trash can when they were going through the waste paper baskets in the um, in in the back in the kennels, right, mm-hmm. or in yeah. that area. Um, and that was something that they testified to. Is this part of a, I, a what? Are, what are they trying to do here, Charlie? I, I, that was. This case has everything, and as soon as I think that, then it has something else. And that was another moment. A retrieved uh, credit card statement, a receipt with Gucci circled, was found mm-hmm. in the trash by the sled agents and investigated. up and thrown in the trash. I mean, what's the what, what? And but I will say this: it's clear that, that the state thinks it's going to be part of the strand of their rope right. that they hope overcomes reasonable doubt. Yeah, the defense didn't get to really get back on that one. I, and that makes you wonder: did they plant it as a seed, or was it just a tangent that they just threw out there? I feel like the fact that he emphasized that there's going to be some other information coming in relative to shopping, and I'm assuming it's the Gucci store in Charleston because I don't think there's one in Walterboro, right? right. So, uh, <laughs> I think I think that's exactly right. I think they, so. We'll see where that goes. A, you know, next couple of days, or I don't know. This case could go on for several weeks. I, I suspect we'll hear about this again. Well, and I think it's also because it was like uh, talking, leading into the idea that there was a lot of financial troubles going on. Amen. We're yes. all aware right. of it, yes. but we certainly haven't introduced this to the jurors mm-hmm. yet, and we don't know how much can mm-hmm. be. So that mm-hmm. may be a way for mm-hmm. the state to start planting the seed, as you said. Yes. What are we going to see tomorrow? Well, tomorrow, I think the alleged, con- <laughs> let's call it what, the state, I mean, this lead agent, it's, he's trying to make it a, a confession, right? That right. I, 
Right. Uh, and I, I think if that they try to do that, they're overselling here. I, I, I think it's wise, again, not for it to be an opening statement. I think it's a interpretation of the sled agent of what was on tape there. And to me, if I was going to make that a big point, I'd have a, 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 a some sort of expert that would sure. testify to it. So I think the defense is going to open up on that. And there's a lot of information that came in also through through the through that witness today that I'm assuming that they're going to have a theme on how attacking it. Again, I think the point here is, and we need to remember the basics here, it, the burden is upon the state of South Carolina to prove each and every element of each and every indictment, the four indictments, beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the standard. It's, it's not beyond any possible doubt, beyond any reasonable doubt. So the defense is trying to make reasonable arguments as to why they're reasonable doubts here that this defendant, uh, that the state is not meeting its burden. They, the state, the defense did introduce evidence, minor sort of South Carolina point, but under our procedure, once the, the defense introduces evidence, that means they can't uh, close in uh, closing argument. So they're, they're, they're giving that up. It's not much to give up really in a way because I think they do want to present evidence in their case. It, but this tells me uh, this case is going to go on past the state's case. Um, Drew, uh, as far as tomorrow, I I agree with Charlie. To I, I I really don't think the state can make can stand its ground on that issue of whether he said I or they. Uh, I think that's sure. We'll, we'll, we'll see tomorrow, and mm-hmm. I, I do expect a full fledged assault on that by the defense tomorrow uh, because they they've got they have ears. And they heard what they there had to be that dissension in there too, and I'm sure that they're paying attention to the social media sphere and the, the chatter around the courthouse from everybody else who was there too. They're, they if they're smart, they're going to go after it. I, I think um, low hanging fruit. Yeah, and I but I'm really interested to see what else the state brings out tomorrow and how they further their case because we've got uh, a lot of like Alec mentioning the um, like Alec mentioning the. Um, like Alec mentioning the the fact that that other gun might have been st- missing too. That's a good Just point. Little little yeah, things yeah, were, that point. poke holes yeah. in his alibi. That's a good point. I think we're into the meat of the state's case. I feel like it's For a sure. very meaty part, and they intend to keep the keep the strong evidence that they have going in the next few days. Yeah, this is going to be an incredibly interesting next few days too. We're live in Walterboro, South Carolina, for Alec Murdoch's double murder trial, and we are going to be taking this live from here on out until. We get a verdict. Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you, gentlemen, and we'll see you tomorrow. My pleasure.
Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.